the thing that we have to understand is what's happened to society. You know it, you see it, but there has been this effort to eliminate manhood from society. You see it in clothes, you see it in terminology, you see it in, in just complacency. We see prolonged adolescence where guys that are 20 are acting like they're 12. And it's just, it's just a part of the culture. And I think we have to do something to change that. Just like we're going to do everything we can to stand up for freedom in every realm of society. Uh, happy to report that our school started this week and it began, it began with kids pledging uh, to the allegiance, their allegiance to the flag, uh, to the Bible, and prayer. And we're going we're gonna to be counterculture in everything we do because whatever the culture's doing, we're going to do the opposite. Then we're going to be on track. Amen? So you have to be strong. You know, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand, stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, he's wily. He's, he's, he's trying to get your attention and grab you and move you into a different direction. Uh, I love this quote from Henry Ward Beecher. He said, hold yourself responsible for a higher standard than anybody else expects of you. Those people around you, they have an expectation. Take it up another level. Whatever it is, take it up another level. He went on to say, never pity yourself. Be a hard master to yourself and be lenient on everyone else. There's something that happens when you say, I'm going to equip myself to be the best human being I can be on planet Earth. You say, well, what if I fail? Then get back up. What if I fail twice? Then get back up twice. Amen? Amen. You know, I think what we want to do, we're talking about the blessed life, and I thought it was going to be about a four-part series, and this is now number 11 in that train. But I want to challenge you to live a contagious life. We heard a lot about something that's contagious, supposedly COVID. We found out now that the World Health Organization is backtracking everything that they said. Six foot doesn't work, masks don't work, none of this stuff works. Okay, so, but I want to tell you, I want to challenge you to be really contagious with your life. I want to read you a couple of scriptures from the ministry of Jesus, and I want to show you something that to me is strange. Because the message he came with, men instantly followed him when he spoke these words. And it's unexplainable. Listen to this one. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 37. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's your message? That's it? I gotta die, take up my cross, I gotta follow you wherever I go, that's the message. And yet it was so appealing that it says that the people followed him everywhere. They wouldn't give him a moment. He had to slip away and pray because they would not leave him alone and this was his message. You see, when you make the message too easy, nobody follows because there's no challenge. There's gotta be something you reach for in order to, to feel like you're accomplishing something. It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So you mean all this protective stuff that I try to do to get by 
and, and to not offend anybody doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. It's all appeasement. And you cannot appease others and be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And then it goes on to say this, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So you make everybody around you happy, but in the process, you're not making God happy. What did you gain, is what he asks. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Next verse, Luke chapter 19, verses eight through 10. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. Here's a guy who had made his living actually cheating people, and when he met Jesus, so compelling and so contagious was his message, he said, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to absolutely uh, give back all that I've taken, and I'm gonna give it back fourfold. That's repentance. You see, repentance isn't saying I'm sorry for something and doing it again with no regret. Repentance is actually turning from one position to another position, say, I'm gonna be a different human being. I wanna be different. I wanna be the man, the woman of God that you've called me to be. And Jesus said unto him, today salvation has come to this house. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you realize that his repentance created transformation in his life? And whatever you say, I'm gonna turn from. So the word metanoia in the Greek means I'm going this way, and all of a sudden something happens, and metanoia means this is repent. I turn and I go this way. I was heading in this direction, the wrong direction, but all of a sudden I had a God encounter. When I had a God encounter, I stopped going that direction, and I went this direction. Have you ever tried to go both directions at the same time? It doesn't work. Well, I'm gonna go, I can't, you know, have you ever met people who can't make up their mind about anything? Yes, all men, when their wife says, where do you want to go to dinner? I, honestly, ladies, men don't care. They just want to eat, right? They just want to eat. I don't need ambiance. I don't need fancy. I just need food, right? And if I don't get food, I get hangry, amen? You know, so just feed them. Don't worry about it. You know, just fill up, you know, make some chili, fill it up with some sawdust, make it really filling for them. They'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Men are simple human beings, they don't really think about anything either. Have you ever, you ever noticed that? My wife said, what do you think? I said, I'm not thinking about anything. She says, no, no, really. I said, no, really. No, really, I can do this all day long. I can think about nothing all day long. We're driving in the car. She wants to talk. I don't want to talk. I just want to think about nothing. Are you all with me on this one? Huh, man, are you know? I'm trying to help you because you've been in trouble because you haven't been able to think or talk. Women use 120,000 words a day. Men use 60. By the time they get home from work, they're out of words. Don't you want to talk, they say? No. I use all my words up at by noon, and I'm just ready to coast. How many of you are saying amen to that? You know what I'm talking about. All right. Now, you have to get out of your own hot water like I will after this message, but we're going to do it. So what is it we need? We need self-awareness, Okay. This is what happened. If you're gonna be contagious, you have to be self-aware. You can't always depend on somebody else to tell you what you're doing wrong or what you need to do right. You have to have some self-awareness in your life. You have to be able to look in the mirror and go, that's, the, that's my big enemy. That's my enemy. The guy in the mirror is my enemy. 
because he's trying to take me down the wrong road. He doesn't want me to be contagious. He wants me to be quiet. He doesn't want me to be strong. He wants me to be weak. You have to look that guy in the mirror, and then you have to do the next thing, take personal responsibility. Well, I would have won, but, right? If I'd have had my new shoes on, I could have run and won that race. Well, you know, I had my new shoes on. If I had my old shoes, I could have won that race. No, you gotta take personal responsibility in your life and say, I'm going to do that. And then you also have to have sustained motivation. If you're not motivating yourself and keeping it rolling, you're gonna develop inertia, the opposite of motivation. You're just gonna get stuck. Yeah, what do you wanna do? Ah, I don't know. You gonna start a company? I have thought about it. I got like, I got 12 great ideas. I mean, when people tell me, what are you going on in your life? They go, I got like 12 things, got 12 opportunities, 12 open doors. I said, get rid of 11 of them. Do one right, and you'll be surprised how blessed you will be. You'll be surprised how much contentment can come in your life by just saying, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this. And if God shows me something different, I'll do that. If I can make this better, I'll make this better, but I'm gonna do this one thing. I'm gonna stay with the course that God has put me on. You also have to build relationships outside your world. Now, I know everybody who are Christians, they love holy huddles. They love to get with their, their four and no more and sit around and talk about how bad the world is and how good they're, they're, how, how much they're blessed. Well, that's, I like that idea, but you can't stop there. You, do you realize if you never go outside your circle, you never can talk to anybody about Jesus Christ. You can never really transform anybody's life by, by pouring into them. You have to go outside and build relationships outside your world. And I'm not talking, they don't have to be the kind of relationships, well, we just go to dinner every week with people we don't like. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ministry opportunity where you find people and you go, hey, let me, let me, What's going on in your life? And you start talking to him about that and you, you build a little bridge there and then that bridge allows you to, to bring him to an event like a men's conference or bring him to church or bring him to a Bible study or get their kids. How are your kids doing? Oh man, they're really struggling. Why don't you bring them and let them be a part of our kids' ministry? They're gonna love it. You gotta, you gotta do something. You can't just stay where you are. Water that never moves gets stagnant. Holy Spirit in the Bible's always moving. He's never stagnant. He's always moving, 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 moving. You gotta always be moving. You gotta be thinking. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter nine, verse nine and 10. Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. Can you imagine? I want you to try this this week. Just walk up to a random stranger and here's what you say. Hey, come follow me. And they're gonna look around like, what? They're gonna call the police on you. This is so amazing, this ministry of Jesus, that somehow he was so contagious and he was so intentional on building relationships, he could walk up to a, to a, a seasoned fisherman like Peter and say, come follow me and I'm gonna make you a fisherman. He goes, yeah, sounds good. You see, there's something irresistible, and you want to develop this irresistible attraction in your life to where you're, you're living out so much of God in your life that there's something people go, I just want to be around you. It always begins with a smile. Have you ever noticed that? The, the best way to influence people is to smile. 
Now, I want you to look at your neighbor, see if they're smiling. Because I'm looking at some sad sacks out here. I need some, I need a little help, amen? You know, just tell your mouth to smile once in a while. I say to people, are you happy? And they go, yeah, well, you need to tell your face. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I'm a deep thinker. Yeah, well, you need to think a little shallower then. You're so deep, I can't even find you, Amen. All right, so Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. And now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. This is amazing. Now most Christians, you know, if they saw a really heavy duty sinner, right, like all of you, if they really saw this heavy duty sinner, they go, you know what, you know, I don't think we should associate. I mean, what would people think? What if it rubs off on me? Notice that when he built the bridge in this one man's life, all his friends started showing up. You mean it's safe? Often thought a great slogan for a church would be, sinners welcome here. All others stay away. See, whenever you start to thinking you're something, you're really nothing. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due season, when he gets ready, he'll lift you up. But don't you get in a hurry and say, I'm gonna get lifted up here so God, you can see how great I am. No, you start building a bridge and you start realizing it's, it's okay, it's safe, it's friendly, and it's not, they're not trying to judge you. You see, the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners not a museum for saints. We just store up a bunch of righteous people here. We, we just store them up. If they're not righteous, we try to run them off. We gotta, we gotta build bridges. We gotta go outside of our world. Do you realize that Jesus started with three guys? Peter, James, and John. Three. Then he began to move and he got it up to 12. Do you remember that? I got 12. He goes, well, what's your plan? Plan is to train the 12 of you, but by the way, one of you is a devil and we're gonna get rid of you sooner or later. But 12 guys, we're gonna start with 12 guys. And what are we gonna do? Well, for three years, you're gonna follow me around. I'm gonna teach you everything I know about the kingdom of God. And then we're gonna win the world that way. That's the plan? That's the plan. So on one occasion, there were 5,000 there, and they were, they were ready to, to hear the message of Jesus, and they were so excited, but, uh, but, and all of a sudden, they fed the 5,000, and then they got done eating, and Jesus looked at Peter, and he said, where did they go? See, they got full of food, and they left. He said, what about you, Peter? He said, where will I go? You have the words of life. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, you're operating, you have to be a revelation wired human being to follow God. You have to make decisions. You see, those 12 had to make decisions that for three years in our life, we're not gonna do anything except follow Jesus. I think most people come into the kingdom of God going, I'm gonna go to church if it's com comfortable and convenient. But if something, if I get a better offer, I'm going. Now you have to decide that you're gonna follow Jesus. You say, well, I'm going on vacation. You can do that. 
I'm not saying you have to to, to be locked in every single week, but listen, don't find a way to get out of it because some of the same people that look for a way to get out of it when their kids are little coming to me when their kids are older going, I don't know what to do. My kid's away from God. He's not coming. He doesn't want to go to church. And I'm going, I told you, but you let the tail wag the dog. There's so many kids that are now the parents that they the parents don't even know what to do with themselves. I don't know what to do. Little Billy, he wants to go. He doesn't want to go to church. We'll whip his butt. He'll get there. Hey, I was pastor. My kids didn't want to go to church. At least the boys didn't. At least the oldest one didn't. Guess what? They're all in church. They're all in ministry today. Now, I didn't didn't want an easy journey for all of them. But I'm just saying, you have to decide if you're going to be the parent in that relationship, and if you're going to be the influencer, you're going to be influenced in your situation. What are you going to have to have? You have to have respect. If you're going to, if you're going to build relationships, you have to build respect with people. One of my favorite stories when we first moved here, um, and, and I had a couple of old Porsches that I'd, I'd restored, and I went into a Starbucks, and I saw this guy, and he had these long, pointy shoes on. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just caught their attention, and I go, man, those are some pretty cool shoes you got there. And he kind of laughed, and, and he looked at me, and I, I said, he shook out his hand. He goes, hey, I'm Corvette Mike. And I'm thinking, what is a Corvette Mike? Well, that's the stupidest name. I, I didn't know it was a company. <laughs> See, I'm Corvette Mike, and I go, I'm Porsche Phil. <laughs> and he goes, no, I really am Corvette Mike, and I said, I really am Porsche Phil. That's how that relationship began. I still have that relationship with Corvette Mike. Not only do I have that relationship, but when he was, when he was losing his eyesight and the retinas were, detect, were detaching themselves from his eyes, and I met him up at Starbucks, and he was crying in the parking lot because he didn't know if he was going to be able to see again. And he said, I can't get in to see this one surgeon. And I, they say the next time I can see him is six months down the road. And I said, Mike, let's pray right now. And while we're praying, I said, let's just pray. I said, God, I pray, number one, for his, the healing of his eyes. Number two, I pray this surgeon will call as soon as possible. I'm not lying. While that prayer was going on, the phone rang. It was that surgeon saying, Mike, can you come in tomorrow? And through, through, through prayer and through that doctor, Mike's eyes are fine today, completely restored. Now, let me tell you, and I, then I did his wedding. I mean, I'm telling you, I was in this guy's life. I gave him his first Bible I ever gave him. It all started with some shoes. Don't tell me you can't win people to Christ with shoes. Amen? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. It's what the Bible says. Amen? Why do you think they're called souls? So you can win souls. If your feet are stuck under a desk, you're never moving. You're never going to win anybody to Jesus. Amen? you got to not only respect but trust. Trust is something that comes over time. You build that. The respect comes. The trust comes. And you're starting to to really find a way to reach into the hearts of your people. Every person here knows somebody that you could invite to a men's conference, to church, to a kid's ministry, to something. You need to do it this week. And then learn to really see people. Have you ever been guilty of this? I, I'm going to confess I've been guilty of this. Somebody's talking to me, and they're going on and on and on, and I'm just I'm looking for a way out. You ever done that? I know you're almost spiritual than me. I'm just thinking, I, I don't know where this person's going. They're like over my head. I'm getting dizzy, getting lightheaded. I don't know even what's going on here. Da, 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 da. And, then, and then every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will go, 
do you even care about this person? <sighs> kind of. Yeah. Well, then act like it. Do you really see what's going on in people's lives? You know, it's hard to really see what's going on in people's life in church because everybody kind of puts on the smile. You know, you got the Jesus, I'm a church smile. And, and, uh, but, but what's going on? And you can't do that with every single person you encounter, but you can do it with some, and you should. Look at what it says in, in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and healing every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Have you looked and just saw the multitudes and moved with compassion? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. See, people in our world are they're pretty lonely. They're pretty broken. It's always been true, by the way, not just this season. It's always been true. But you have to, ha you have to see how Jesus saw the multitudes. You have to have a compassion for them, and you have to do something about it. Let me give you some life applications here today. Here's the first one. Live a contagious life. Look in your own life. Say, what would, it, what would my life look like if I was contagious with the good things that are in my life and with God? What would that look like? And then leverage your situation you're in for the kingdom. See, every one of us is in a different sphere of influence. What are you going to do in your situation and leverage that so that you can take more, you can go further with what you have for the glory of God? You see, only you can figure that one out. And then make it an aim to inspire others. You know what the word inspire means? It means, it means God breathe. It means breathe out. And so when you inspire, you're breathing on people. And when you put God behind it, you're, you're inspiring people toward God. I just want you to know God and love God. I want you to walk with God. Amen? Let's stand together, and I want you to bow your heads with me and pray. Once you look in your own life, don't think about anything else. Don't think about your agenda. Don't think about your food and your kids. Just right now, focus on you. What would it take in your life for you to be an inspiring, transformational person in your world? What's one thing you could just adopt or change or embrace in your life that would do that for you? And maybe God spoke to you to say, okay, that's it. Now just offer that to him. Just say, God, I give you that. I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do one thing. It might be a small little thing. You think, how can that change it? It can change a lot. Trust me, it'll change you first. I'm going to do that, God. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then let me ask you this. If you don't know for certain that you know Christ, I want you to pray with me. And you can pray out loud this prayer. God will hear you. It's my words, but it's your faith. And just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Just speak it out loud. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Come into my heart and save me, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer, just thank him that he did exactly what he said he would do. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand up. Just lift your hand up. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you. Amen. Amen.